Welcome to Next Community Church. It's good to be together this morning. Welcome to those of you that are joining us at home as well. We pray that you're, you're well, doing well. And uh, this morning we begin our, our great 50-day journey in our series that we're calling The Story as we, we go through the Bible. And for the next seven weeks, we're going to spend our time learning about the greatest, the greatest book ever, the single most important resource that we have in life, the Word of God, God's, God's Bible given to us. And so um, my, my journey, my personal journey with the Bible began in 1986. That's when I was given my first Bible. Um, I brought some of my early Bibles with you to walk down memory lane together. Um, this, is, this is the first Bible I was, I was ever given. Um, when I um, came to a, a Baptist church, and uh, a sweet old lady there that we ended up calling Aunt Donna gave me my first Bible ever. And uh, it was a living Bible, um, and it, it was illustrated, which I like. It had pictures in it. And I began my journey of reading the Bible. Um, I thought, though, that I needed a, a better Bible, so I got a second Bible. I got a hard copy, uh, a hardcover Bible. And uh, our church used the King James Version, um, which I kind of struggled with as a, uh, a then 13-year-old with the these and the thous and the doest. And, and so I got, this is a parallel Bible. So parallel Bible has one translation on one half the page, and then it has the new international version on the other half of the page. And so, and if you're here and you're new to Bible world, and you're like, why is there even different versions? We're, we're going to talk about that in the series, why there's different translations. And so I could follow along with what the preacher was saying. Uh, but then I could read it in common language, which is what the NIV is. And so this was my Bible I used for the next five years until the Lord then called me in the ministry. Um, oh, no, wait. Um, there's this one. I almost forgot. It's so small. Can you see it? It came in this little case right here. Uh, I got this one in 1987. This is a whole Bible right here. Um, it is... Can you see that font? Can you see that? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not kidding. It came with a magnifying glass. This is how small it is. It came with a magnifying glass to use. We were, we were taking a family trip. Part of my, uh, my dad's side of family lived in California, and uh, we were taking a family trip to California. I had been, at this point, about a year and a half old into my relationship, my real relationship with the Lord, and was just reading, devouring the Bible as a 14-year-old, and, and I did not want to go a week without reading the Bible, so mom took me out and got this travel Bible, the date, uh, I write all the dates in the front of my Bible, it's June 20th, 1987, so I've had this Bible, 13 plus 22, help me, 35, thank you, 35 years, this Bible, and it still travels with me, and then in 1991, when I um, began uh, my journey to Bible college when the Lord called me into ministry. Uh, a dear friend actually got me my first uh, leather Bible, good Bible, that, uh, a study Bible that became my Bible that I used all through Bible college. And it is written in and it's got uh, oil, dirt on, on the New Testament side especially and handwritten notes and uh, it was been dropped as I was late to class and binder came off and it, has, it is a well-used Bible. I was looking at it the other day. I think I want to get it rebound because this is a special Bible that is really what kind of set me to understand the Bible as I studied in Bible college to really 
um, understand the Word of God and have confidence in the Word of God. And so this was my Bible for at least 10 years, and, and, then, uh, and then transitioned to the, to the ESV Bible. And, um, and, and then for Christmas, this is actually a brand new Bible that I, I got for Christmas that now... Um, this, this will last me the rest of my life. This is a, a special Horween leather Bible that is stitched around the end and Smythe binded or Smythe sewn and uh, hand stitched and it's, it's single column text block and uh, they can bury me in my casket with this thing. It's a tank. It's going to last forever. And, and, and so um, the Bible is such a unique book. It is the only book in, in all of history that when you sit down with it and you open it up, the author shows up right there with you and, and will explain to you his words and will, will speak to your heart and will be real to you. Right? And, and people are always asking, what is, what is, what is God's will for my life? It's, it's right here. It is in here. Um, God's plan, God's ways, God's will is found here in his word. Right? It's our source for guidance. It's our source for truth, our stand for tr- truth. God reveals himself and he reveals his ways and he tells you everything that you need to know is found in this book, the word of God. And I always thought the acronym was a, a little hokey, a little bit, but this morning I, 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 it's true, it's believers true that you know what Bible stands for, right? You know what Bible stands for, B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth, all right? That's, that's, it works, all right, if you've never heard that one before, and that's what it is. It, is. it is God's love letter, his guidebook that he gave to us and how to live. And so for the next seven weeks, it might, this, this series might be a little different than a normal series, it's, especially as we get on in, in the next weeks, maybe not so much today, but the next six weeks, it's going to feel a little more maybe classroom-ish as, as we go through because um, there's, there's, there's a very much a part, especially in our culture today, and this is what led us to kind of do this series, is where there is a, uh, every generation that comes uh, is, is drifting further and further away from the Bible. Um, not just from the beliefs and the actions of the Bible, but from even just knowing it, from even just knowing the basic stories of the Bible, the characters of the Bible, the theme of the Bible, the, the movement of the Bible. And if that's you here today, no judgment in that. I'm, glad, I'm so glad you're here. I, I, I believe these next seven weeks is, is going to be life-changing for you. I, I really do. That's not just pastor speak. I really believe that you're going to meet God in, in such real ways because this is his living Word. It's, it's, it's different than any other book. And when you begin to open your heart and your mind to this book, I'm telling you, you're going to meet God in such unique and fresh ways. And so um, as, as we drift as a culture and as generation after generation drifts from this book, then there's questions that arise from it. I don't understand it. Um, I don't know if I can trust it. And hasn't it been changed? And how, how, do, how do we know? And so my hope is over these next seven weeks, all of those questions will be answered and much more. And so we've put together uh, what I think is going to be a good resource for you is, is uh, this book. I, I hope that you grabbed one on the way in. Um, if those of you at home, we put this morning's pages on our Facebook page. So go to our Facebook page and you can get this morning's pages. Or if you can't get in here, you want the whole book, email Deb. Um, it's deb at nextcc.org. And she'll send you the whole book. It's 130 
some pages. Um, but I think this is going to be a great resource for you. And, and I want you to bring this every Sunday. Okay? And that's why I say it's going to be a little classroomish, and, and, and that's okay. I think it's going to be great learning, and I, I, I pray it's going to hit your head and your heart. Um, today we're going, to, we're going to do an introduction of the Word of God. Uh, and then what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next three weeks, and we're going to do a 30,000-foot view flyover of the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And, uh, and I got a new special toy surprise that's going to be here next week that we'll be using. Uh, you're going you're gonna to draw in here on these pages here, 18 and 19 and all these pages in here. Um, we're gonna, you're going to see the movement of God through Genesis through Revelation. And then what we're going to do in section three is we're going to talk about how did we get this book? And how can we trust this book? And we're going to talk about some of those interesting words there. Um, and, and then today I'm, I'm going to challenge every single one of you, every single person that's at home or here, to, to go on a 50-day challenge that you would, to the best of your human efforts, commit to go on a 50-day Bible reading challenge. And, and I'll talk about that more as we go. But my prayer is that um, this series would change your life and that you would develop a habit that will stick with you for the rest of your life of learning to spiritually feed yourself on God's word, the most important meal of the day that you could ever eat. Okay, so, um, so we're going to begin. We're going to begin this morning. Um, these books, they, they, uh, uh, there's a donation jar out there. If you want to throw five bucks in to, for a book, that's great. Cost us a little bit more than that, but um, you don't have to do it right now, brother. You can wait. Oh, you're getting a pen. Um, all right. He's like, man, he's serious. Like, I appreciate it, Bill. I appreciate you wanting to do that. But, um, uh, and if, if you don't have it, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's our investment into you. Um, and so uh, go ahead and open up your book, and we're going to begin. Here we go. The Bible. Okay, let's talk about the Bible, and, and this morning it's going to be, again, just way of introduction. I um, want you to know that the Bible is three things. Number one, it is the best way to know God. You want to know God? You want to understand who he is? The Bible is the best way to know God. In John chapter 1, the Gospel of John, it says this, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Listen to this. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So you, you understand this is not just a normal book. That it is very much the words of God. That it, it is very much God himself revealing himself. The God of the universe giving us himself. And the way that you know him and the way that you experience him and the way that you grow with him is through this. The living word. That's why... We, we say it's a living word. It's a living document that the author does show up. You want to get to know God? You, you need to spend time in God's word. It, can turn, it contains the greatest story ever told. God's story. That's what the Bible is, is God's story. But the amazing thing about God's story is that it, it, it involves your story. When, when, and that's when life really begins, is when your story intersects with God's story. And so that's why we called this series the story, because it's, 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 it's not necessarily a story of you. Make no mistake about it. God's the main character of the Bible, right? Um, we are not. The, the Bible is not about us. It is about God. He is the main 
character of the story, but, but he involves us in his story. And so it's an unbelievable story of, of a loving God who made his prized creation, who then rejected God, the love of that God, and wanted to do life on, on their own. And then the story of the Bible is God continuously pursuing that loving relationship with his prized creation and, and arising individuals from among them to say, come on, let's go back. Let's go back home. Let's go back to the Father. And, and then God introduces the ultimate hero of the Bible, his son, Jesus Christ. The climax of the Bible is the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, dying on the cross, God dying for the the people that he created that ran away from him so that there's a way back to him so that their sin would be atoned for. He sent his son to pay for those sins. And then his son conquered death and came back to life, showing there is life after death, and now reigns. And now the whole New Testament is showing us how to live with the reign of this king that is alive and how we now belong to a different kingdom and how there's a good father that still today is pursuing his world and the way back to the father is through Jesus. This is the story of the Bible all the way to the last book of the Bible that tells how this good father is going to undo and redo and ultimately just destroy everything that we've messed up in this creation and he's going to make everything new. And the end of the story is he makes a new heaven and he makes a new earth and his people dwell with him forever. And it says in the Revelation that there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering, and we will be in God's presence. That's, that's the ultimate narrative of the story of, of God. And it's all contained here. It, it is unbelievable. You want to know God? Get in the book. Second thing that the Bible is the best way is it's the best way to learn truth. Anybody, anybody in need of some truth this morning in, in our culture? You know, don't know what to believe. You don't know what's true. You don't know what ends up. You turn on the news. It's like, do I watch this station or this station or what? I don't know what to believe. You used to be able to believe health. Now I don't know. You used to be able to believe education system. Now I don't know. You used to be able to believe government. Well, maybe not even believe government. But, but you used to be able to believe these things, and now it's kind of like, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what's true anymore. I do. Everything in here. You want to know truth? John 8, this is Jesus speaking. He says this. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, listen to this. If you abide, abide, that word abide means to dwell, to remain. It literally means to make your home with, to make your home. If you make your home, in my word, you are truly my disciples. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? You cannot apart from this book. It's, it's, it's the way you know Jesus. It's the living book that's the way you experience the Father. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know, say it with me, church, the truth. And what happens when you know the truth? The truth will? Do you want to know the truth? You need to abide in this book. Dwell, remain, make it home. This book, and the truth will set you free. I was a youth pastor, graduated from Bible college. Dana and I got married at 22. God moved us out to Michigan. I was a youth pastor in 15 years. And trying to have, get the next generation to fall in love with the God of this book and to understand you experience God when you read this book. And 
help them understand that it's, this, is, this is not the rule book. This is not the killjoy book. This is not the book that's going to present or prevent you from having fun in life. This is the, the book that's going to show you life, right? And there's such this mindset out there that God's the killjoy and no, it's going to have no fun. I'm like, no, 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 man. You want to have fun? You got to live by the book. That's where real freedom is. And it's like, no, this is the, this is the handcuffs. This is, what, this is what don't let us do. It's like, and, and then I will watch. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because this was you, where you, you, you want freedom. You, wanted, you don't want no one telling you what to do. You want to do it. You want to you have some fun. And so you turn your back on God and you go and you do what you want. And you live with all of the pleasures that the world has to offer, all of the things that Satan will dangle in front of us. And then what happens? And then you get ensnared by him and you get enslaved by him and you're trapped and pretty soon, those things are ruling you. And what you once thought was freedom, you are now in captivity by these things. They control you. And it's like, you thought, but no, 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 I thought you were living in freedom. It's like, no, no, you want to know what freedom is, man? Here's freedom. Freedom is living in the Word of God. When you know the truth, and you, that's, that's living according, that's, this is Jesus' promise. Knowing the truth in life. And then later on in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying and he says, he's talking to his father. And he says, sanctify. Sanctify simply just means to wash, to set apart, to make clean. This is what Jesus is praying. He's praying for his disciples and he's praying for anyone who's going to be a follower of him. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as you have, listen, this is important. Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So here we are. We're going into the world. Jesus is saying, but you're not going in unarmed. You're going in armed with the truth. And this is why he's praying. So, Father, wash, wash over them with the truth. Cleanse them. Set them apart. Let them know the truth. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world, Father. Now I'm sending them into the world. And Here's what Jesus says, verse 19. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. You want to know what's true today? Best way to know truth is getting God's word. And the third thing this morning is the best way, uh, the Bible, rather, is the best way to spiritually grow, to continue to mature, develop, and not be satisfied, not be satisfied spiritually with where you're at. The book of Psalms is this collection, this beautiful collection of, of literal, that's what Psalms literally means, songs. It's their poems and songs. And, and it opens up, Psalm 1, verse 1, says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Listen, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What happens when you do that? He is like a tree planted by streams of water, constant resource of nourishment, nutrients, 
a, a tree that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. What kind of person is it? A person that meditates on the law of God, on the word of God, is like a tree firmly planted in life and has a constant stream of water coming by for which then it just nourishes you and and produces fruit in your life. And everything that that individual does, the scripture says, prospers. The Bible is is necessary for spiritual life um, as much as breath is for physical life. And if you're stuck, if you're stuck spiritually, my prayer is that this new, fresh season in the Word of God, as we go through together, will help nourish perhaps your dry, parched soul. That's what the Word of God will do. Um, we've put in, we've put in, the, in the book, uh, if you are stuck, if uh, you go ahead and turn over to page 7. We've just given you some, some resources. That's, that's what this book has a lot of resources in it. Um, page seven of, of are you in need? Right? If you're in need, this is just different um, uh, things or, or scriptures rather to turn to depending on what you're going through. Right? So if you're feeling afraid, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling anxious, if you feel like you've done wrong, all different things. So there's a couple pages of that. And then on page nine, where to find help? The Bible is so practical, especially in the book of Psalms. There's great wisdom in these books. And so um, Psalms to read when you're feeling different things there on page nine. Turn over to page 10. There's just more Psalms to read when you're facing page 11. Psalms to read when you want, right? So um, the Bible is so practical. You want to grow? You want to spiritually grow? You got to get in God's word. Um, I like what D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody said the Bible was not given to just increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And so listen, this is one of the dangers of doing a series like this, is it's, it's going to be a little bit heady, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to talk about the doctrine of inspiration. We're going to talk about internal witnesses and external witnesses. We're going to talk about the manuscript evidence and transmission and the scribes and the Masoretes and the, and the original text. And we're going to talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we're going to talk about the Apocrypha and, and, and all of these things. It's going to be a little bit heady. And the danger is, is that a lot of us in Christianity like learning. We like to just learn. I don't know. Learn, 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 learn. And, and God's word is not just there for you to learn. If it stays here, we've failed. It's got to move here. It's got to make that 18-inch journey from here to here. Permeate your heart because then it will move from there to your hands and your feet and it will change your life. But if all you do over the next seven weeks is learn some things about the Bible, but it doesn't change your life, we've missed it. Together, we've all missed it. So even, even now, what I want to do is I just want to pause and I just want to pray before we go any further is that even though we're going to be kind of classroom-ish the next seven weeks and it's going to be some heady stuff that you'd walk out of here every week having your heart challenged and with God speaking to you through his word. So can we even just pause right now and just pray? God, we do that. We thank you that we have your word. Thank you that you gave us your word, your living word. We're not lost down here. We're not blind. You've given us 
in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says everything that we need, everything that we need for life and godliness. And so God, even now, I just pray, even right now, God, I pray that you would put something in our hearts, in our mind about you, your word. And this season, as we start off 2022, God, that you would do something in our lives, that we'd be ready, that we'd be open-handed, open heart, open mind. God, that we wouldn't be so stubborn, that we'd humble ourselves and say, God, speak to us and change us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm confident it's going to happen over the next 50 days. You spend 50 days in God's word, it's, it's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. God is going to change our lives, right? Because God's word is so rich. It's so practical. I just made a list of some of the things that the Bible speaks to. The Bible speaks to problems and happiness and joy and depression and anger and fear and grief and stress and relationships and husbands, and wives, and marriage, and sex, and raising children, and money, and investing in debt, and work, and your boss, in alcohol, in truth, in right, in wrong, in the afterlife, in heaven, in hell, in the beginning of the world, in the forming of the world, the purpose of life, who God is, who we are as children of God, all that he has done, and who we are in him, and much, much more. I mean, the Bible is so practical. And so I, I believe that the next 50 days could be life-changing. All right? So let me give you some, this, by way of introduction, some technical things about the Bible this morning. Okay, technical things. So go ahead and I don't know where, if you've uh, got to turn the page or not, but here's the next thing is that the, the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblos. I'm just going to get a water bottle real quick. <clears throat> That's where we get the word Bible from, from the Greek word, biblos, and um, it looks like Bible. Some, some skeptics and, and critics want to make a big deal that the word Bible is not in the Bible, and they like to make a big deal about that. But um, the Bible was not a, was, it was not a book that was continued, and we're going to get up to this in a second. We didn't start calling the Bible the Bible until 200 years after we had the Bible, and so um, it was originally a collection of scrolls and, and parchments. And, and we're going to talk about this much more in, in how we got the Bible in a few weeks. The first Bible, the first canon of the Bible, uh, wasn't collected till about 170 AD, right? And so, um, and then that led to discussions as to, well, what should be in this thing called the Bible? What, what, that's what canon means, it's the measuring rod. And so, what should be in this canon? And that later led to some church councils. We're going to talk about all of that. So if that's intriguing to you, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Um, but here's some unique things about the Bible. It was written over a period of 1,500 years. Uh, the, 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 first, the first author of the Bible is Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. The Pentateuch, uh, or as the, the Jewish brothers and sisters call them, the Torah. And all the way, and he wrote, he wrote that around four, approximately 1450 B.C. Um, we know that in, in 1 Kings chapter 6, it talks about a date of the Exodus was, 
was 480 years after the fourth year of King Solomon's reign. Well, we know when that was. You just go back 480 years, and you come back to a date of the Exodus. And we know that Moses wrote around 1450 B.C., the first five books. And we know that the apostle John wrote the last book of the Bible, Revelation, about 95 A.D., and so from 1450 to 95 AD, you have over 1,500 years that the Bible was written over this period of time. It was written by over 40 different authors. 40 different individuals had their hand in the writing of the Bible from all walks of life. You, you had um, shepherds, and, and you had kings, and you, you have doctors, and you have fishermen, and, and from every arena of life, over 40 different contributors to the books of the Bible. It was written in three different languages. Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. New Testament was primarily written in Greek. And there's a little bit of Aramaic sprinkled into both of them. In the Old Testament... Um, there's parts of Daniel, if you remember our Daniel series we did a year, year and a half ago. Um, parts of Daniel was written in Aramaic, parts of Ezra is written in Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic when he was on the cross, and he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, help me, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, that was Aramaic. He said it in some of your Bibles. It'll, it'll actually have the Aramaic, depending on what translation you have. The reason we have different translations, we'll get to this in a little bit, um, in weeks to come, is that we don't speak Hebrew, we don't speak Greek, we speak English. We need to translate it into English, and so there's different schools of thought in translating it into English. And so we're going to talk about why there's different versions and and, and I'll give you my opinion on, on the versions in which, I mean, we use ESV here. We have for the last 10 plus years. That kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of that. But every version, it's the beauty of living today. Some people want to get into fights about versions. And maybe one of you or some of you are coming from a only club. I don't want to mention the name of the only club, but there's an only club out there. And, and uh, we'll talk about why that only club, I believe, is, is not the only club that's out there. And um, which, which all of it needs to be based on the original languages. And so three different languages is written in three different continents. It was written in Asia, in Africa, in Europe. And I'm going to tell you why and in a second all, all of this is important. Um, and so you have great diversity in, in, in the Bible, right? So essentially what you have is the Bible is actually 66 books. There's a total of 66 books in our Bibles. And there's 39 that make up the Old Testament, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 which make up the New Testament. If you came from a Catholic background, like I did, I was raised Catholic, um, they have some extras in their Bible. And, and we'll talk about those books in, in the Catholic Bible, the Apocrypha. And uh, why is there a difference between Protestant Bibles and Catholic Bibles, and why um, do we not consider those extra books in the Catholic Bible not the inspired Word of God? We'll talk about that. But right now we have 66 books and gave you a, a little bookcase so that you can see kind of at a glance that maybe this might be helpful, the, the way that they're arranged, right? The Old Testament and New Testament, there's, there's groupings, right? So in the Old Testament, the first five books, you have the books of the law, 
or, or the Torah. Some people include those in the historical books, which comes next, um, th- th- that tells the, the story of the beginning of Israel in the Old Testament, but it also contains the law. And then you have a group of books that are the poetry, ris- wisdom books, um, Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Job, the Song of Solomon. Right? And then you have the prophetic books. You have um, major prophet books and minor prophet books. And they're not major and minor. We don't use those words because of importance. We just simply use them because of size. The major books are bigger and the minor books are smaller, right? So that's the grouping of the Old Testament. And then the New Testament has its five-fold division grouping as well. you got the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you have one book of history. That's the book of Acts, how it began, the church began in the book of Acts. We studied Acts a couple years ago here. And then you have Paul's 13 letters that he then wrote as he was starting churches all around the world as was known. And then you have a section of what's just called usually general epistles or general letters that are written. And then you have one prophetic book in the Old Testament, or excuse me, the New Testament, the book of Revelation. And so you can see by looking at that bookcase, who wrote most of the New Testament? (laughs) Trick question class. Um, It looks like that for sure, but Luke actually wrote this, that was totally a trick question. I totally set you up. Luke, Luke wrote most of the New Testament. Luke wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts, 28 chapters of Acts. When you add up the book of Luke and the book of Acts, it comes out to 70, 37, it wasn't even close, 37,000 words. Paul, when you add up his 13 letters, it comes out to 32,000 words. So sheer volume-wise, Luke's, and Luke's, it's a two-volume narrative. He, he talks about in his Gospel of Luke, the becoming of Jesus and the beginning of what Jesus started to do. And then he starts off, if you read Acts chapter 1, he's writing to his buddy Theophilus. And he says, I began to write to you, referring to the Gospel of Luke. And then he talks about what Jesus continued to do in the start of this thing called his body, the church, in the book of Acts. And so Luke actually wrote most of the New Testament, even though Paul gets all the press and wrote for sure. I mean, he took the New Testament around the world, and then he wrote letters to them. So he certainly wrote the most books of the New Testament, but word-wise, it was Luke, right? So it's easy, though, and this is where we get confused by the, the volume of these books, and there's 66 of them, and I, I get really, especially when you, you open up to some of those prophetic books, and it's like, I just don't understand what's going on in Isaiah or Jeremiah. Why is he so sad all the time? Or are those minor prophets that have all the weird names like Habakkuk and Zephaniah and like what? What? And so we're we're going to talk about that. And my my sincere prayer and what I believe is going to happen is is that you're going to see the Bible is not just sixty six individual books. This is the next thing in, in your notes. I want you to see that the Bible is a library of books that make up one book showing that there's a divine unity. It's really one book of collection of 66 books that has a divine unity to it, showing that there is one author, one divine author. Let me illustrate it this way, okay? Um, And then I need to be done. 
And it's okay, because we'll pick up wherever we left off here. So um, if I walk in the skip back today, and I come across, four, there's 40 different authors in the Bible. And I, I just randomly pick 40 different people. And I say, hey, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to write down for me all of your thoughts on truth and right and wrong and heaven and hell and the afterlife and men and women and marriage and sex and good and evil. And I, I need to just, can you just write down your thoughts on all of that? And I do that to 40 different people, just randomly. And then I collect them all. And then I start reading them. How many different sets of opinions do you think I'm going to get? 40, pretty close, probably. And that is, check this out, that is from a group of people that are living during the same time period, speaking the same language, in the same culture, in the same town, from an age gap, probably the youngest I would hit would be maybe 20, and the oldest I would hit maybe would be 70. So 50-year period. And I'm going to get 40 different opinions on all that. The Bible was written over not 50-year spread, over 1,500-year spread, on three different continents involving dozens of cultures in three different languages, and yet... When you read the scriptures, there is unbelievable divine consistency throughout. From Old Testament to New Testament, there is unity and consistency and truth that is proclaimed all the way through without error. Some people want to point out ours. We'll get to this. We call them apparent contradictions that it looks like in there. And so with just a little bit of study and a little bit of digging, you can understand why it seems like that is an inconsistency, but it's not. And so the, the Bible just shows there's a divine... There's o- the only way that you can have over 1,500 years, 40 different people in three different languages and three different continents writing stuff down, and it's all jives, is that there's a divine superintendent over the process. And so there's one author, author of the Bible, and that's God. So let me, let me have the worship team come. And, and so um, uh, here's... Here's what I, I want you to do. We'll, we'll pick up with this next week. It's okay if you don't have your fill-ins. You're going to start tweaking out that you don't have all your fill-ins filled in. It's, a, it's okay. All right? We'll, we'll get you there. So if you're a fill-in person, you're going to be okay. Um, but I, I want to make sure that we don't miss the, where we're going. So do me, turn to page 65, if you would. And on on page 65 is the beginning of our our 50-day reading challenge. My my prayer is that you would accept the challenge, okay? That you would step into this and give it a shot. And I I promise you God's going to show up. And so if you turn the page, we kind of of have given you um, an outline for 30 minutes a day. This is what I'm challenging you to do, church. Young and old, kids, I want you in on this, all right? 30 minutes a day, we spend six hours a day on these phones. We can find 30 minutes to spend five and a half hours instead on your phone, okay? And we can find 30 minutes to get in God's word. And so this is just a checkbox of what the 50 days would look like. And when you get to page 67, that's really the outline of what I'm going to challenge you to do. That you would spend 22 minutes-ish reading, 
God's word and eight minutes in prayer. That's kind of how we're breaking it down. You can do whatever you want to do. The goal is 30 minutes. The readings that we gave you, though, is kind of in line with 22 minutes in the word. And so if you turn the page, read this instruction page on your own. If you turn the page, you see day one, Genesis 1 through 4. And then we've given you, what do you think is the key verse? What stood out to you? Write down what those key verses are. What were some key things to remember that stood out to you? What did you learn about God? We're asking you the same question every day. What can you learn about yourself? And what do you think God's speaking to you today? And here's what's going to happen, church. If you do this every day for 50 days, as you go through, you will have gone through every major person, every major event, every major theme through the whole Bible in 50 days from Genesis through Revelation. Now, you're not going to read the whole Bible. You're not reading the whole Bible, but you're going to hit every major theme, every major event. That's how we've broken this up. And then what I want you to do, if you're a community group leader in here, can you do me a favor? I want you to turn to page 119. You all can too if you want. Is the Bible is best read in community. And so I want you to read, I want you to read the Bible and I want you to share it together. When you go to community group Tuesday night, here's what I want you to talk about. I don't want you to talk about what I talked about here this morning. Wow, there's 66 books and 39 Old Testament, 27. I don't want you to talk. I want you to talk about what did God say to you? Bring your books to community group. You're you're reading 30 minutes a day. What's God saying to you? So community group leaders, there's discussion. We've wrote community group sessions already. Week one, we've already got the seven weeks outlined for you. Follow these and, and talk about what is God speaking to you in his word. I know it's going to be so rich. This time is going to be so rich. If you can go to the very last, last slide, it should be uh, the last verse, Psalm 119. God's promises that his word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And so we're going to close with this song. And, um, and, and I, I believe that this song is, is God speaking a, 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 a a blessing over you as you come to him and get in his word. And, and so I, I want you to sing this song and pray this song with an expectation that the next 50 days are going to be a blessing. That as we come and we sit with God and he shows up, he's going to change our lives. And I think it's going to be good. So let's stand and let's close and worship together.